Welcome to On Course, the teaching ministry of Pastor Hart Ramsey, where we offer simple biblical insight into some of life's most pressing issues. What have I told you that a lot of the pain and difficulty and adversity you're experiencing is simply God aligning your now so you could be prepared for your tomorrow. Prepare for the next few minutes to be encouraged, enlightened, and inspired. Let's join Pastor Ramsey and get on course. What's going on, family? It's your man, Gerard Bonner of Bonnerfide Radio, all things Bonnerfide. And you know what this is. This is On Course with Hart Ramsey. Of course, it's where we get to hear from the heart of God by way of the man of God. And of course, that's Pastor Hart Ramsey. Pastor Hart, how are you, sir? I'm good, Gerard. How you doing, man? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. Gosh, there's a lot that's going on in the world. Like, just, it's just crazy. And I realized something, you know, for the first three, four years, which is crazy to say, of this podcast, it's been that long. Um, yeah, it's crazy, right? Uh, we talked a lot about, uh, obviously, we were living in the Donald Trump presidency and that there was just so much to talk about around there. Um, now, of course, we have a new president uh, in Joe Biden. He's had not quite a year yet, but uh, this year has been interesting, I would say, for for Joe Biden. I want to get your thoughts since we haven't talked about his presidency on how he's done so far. I think he's had some moments that could be considered wins. He's had some moments that could be considered losses. What are your thoughts on uh, this Joe Biden presidency so far? Well, I think he came in with, a. a, first of all, when you come in after the kind of presidency that Donald Trump had, it's not going to be easy. Right. Because that guy was like a train wreck. He was like a garbage dump. He was, you know, a, a brush, not a brush, a forest fire. I mean, this guy was like, so, so, I think any president coming into office after Donald Trump would have their work cut out for them. But but I think Biden, um, his, 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 his uh, exacerbated because now he has a promise to keep to the far left. Right. And we talk a lot about the far right, but the far left is just as um, daunting and confusing. And, and sometimes, um, well, they have their own agenda. Mm-hmm. And so so there are a lot of things like we could start with like the Af- Afghanistan uh, withdrawal of troops, and to me, um, what I what I of course I'm going to criti- uh, critique every move, and and on this uh, Gerard, where I think he did wrong, uh, because you know it all fell apart when our troops were pulled out, and that's because I think um, the idea from the beginning was wrong. I, I don't think he should have went into the went into office trying to finish what Trump had started. He should have stopped, measured. Um, talk to the people there, uh, the, uh, boots on the ground, and find out just what needed to be done. Instead, he wanted to, it, we had started to pull out anyway. And right. so he wanted to go and finish it and, and keep that promise to the American people. And I think that we didn't survey it enough. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but then when you go, if you want to be really deep about this, we shouldn't have been there in the first place. That there's part. That. Mm-hmm. So, uh, uh, so there's, there was no right way to, to pull out and in the, the Taliban, well, here's the part that surprised me, Gerard. I thought the the Taliban was like crippled and dysfunctional. Man, they were ready. They were, <laughs> they, they, I mean, nothing. They, they didn't lose a step. Right. Right. And and so I think I think that oh that Biden, uh, 
first of all, you know, for his age and the whole nine, I think he's he's doing a decent job. But then there's the, there was the Afghan hiccup, and then there are these extreme like immigration is an issue. Mm -hmm. Um, who expected what happened in Haiti to happen? The president is assassinated. Um, uh, people are are, are rushing out of the country. Uh, coincidentally, Haiti and two other nations who refused the vaccine. Because remember, they, they the, each one of them had their president killed. Google it. Right. Oh, that's interesting. Right. Each each nation, there were three nations who refused the vaccine, and, and within a few months of each other, their presidents were killed. No coincidence. I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but that's no coincidence. And then when they found the men who assassinated the president of Haiti, there were American operatives in there. So, right. so we know the story, Okay. Um, so there's that, and and so there's there's that that was flubbed. Whatever they try to do is flubbed. So people are, are fleeing Haiti, and then here comes a hu humanitarian crisis because racism has to, you know, we can't do anything in America without racism being at the fore. And right. so you have uh, this issue. And I think what the Biden presidency is more transparent, is more honest, but it's it, it it is what it is. I mean, America is a, is a really struggling nation right now. Yeah. Um, in the four years that Donald Trump was president, people got a chance to see our hind parts and they know what we're about and they don't trust us, they don't respect us. And so Biden inherited that in my mind. Yeah. You know, um, so so as far as he's concerned, and then there's, then there's the, uh, the agenda. I don't call it the, just the agenda. <laughs> and, and, and in talking about the agenda, I, I would like to segue a little bit to Chappelle. Ah, uh, yeah, let's, okay, okay, yeah. Because, man, first of all, you got to, you got the respect that Chappelle is probably one of the most respected vulgarians comedian on the planet. Okay, true. Um, he speaks a language that I don't too much care for, but he tells the truth. Mm -hmm. And so it's interesting how uh, he the point he made. And I, I reluctantly, if you ask me, uh, Pastor, did you watch it? I did. I watched the special, Gerard. I saw it. I did too, believe it or not. So I, I, did it in, I, I, I mean, the, his language is just oh my god. No, uh, Dave expresses himself very, very poignantly. He's he's very, very articulate, but he speaks Bulgarian, English, street, whatever. He's just intelligent. Yes. And the point he was making, you cannot argue at the point, is that uh, for for all intents and purposes, whether you whether you are part of the gay community, whether you despise the gay community, or you love them, or you whatever your position is, you cannot argue with the point that he made. Is that they have very thin skin, and they practice cancel culture as a way to um to express themselves when they're hurt, and he said a lot of things that I believe um needed to be said, and he doesn't mind saying it because what is they going to do? Cancel him? He canceled himself some years ago. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He earned now fifty million dollars. <laughs> all these um speak to the times that we're in. And you asked me one question. I'm going around about to say that the, the Biden presidency is not going to be easy because the world is changing. And in the changing world, he's the president who, uh, whose party made promises to, to, uh, to the to gay community. And there's an agenda afoot. It's on television. It's in movies. It's everywhere. It's, it's, it's in DC comics, for God's sake. Mm. You know, um, so, uh, we have to be mindful for believers, and I'm speaking to believers right now, whether your struggle is, you know, everybody has a struggle. And they're, they're believers who are part of the, the, the gay community. And um, 
Um, and when I say that, I mean that that's their struggle. Uh, and I believe that you have to be honest that for all of us, a part of a part of our spiritual development is self-control. It's self-restraint. Mm-hmm. And so just like the man who loves, he just loves women. You can't have a bunch of women. Um, if you if, if a person loves the same sex, you can't have what you, you understand what I'm saying. So so there is that dilemma of, of in the presidency where um, he can't legislate morality. Right. He has the promise to all the American people, regardless of what community you're part of, what your culture believes. And so he's walking the fine line. I think for me, he's doing a better job than Trump would have done. I mean, that's just me. And, and y'all hate if you want to. I'm just going to be in the comments. I don't care. This is my podcast. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> well, it is your podcast. But, you know, I, I think you're right in the sense that, you know, whoever was going to come in after Trump was going uh, to have a lot to clean up, for lack of a better term. Mm-hmm. And what's hard about it is what the Trump presidency did was oh. it really did, to your point, it revealed a lot of America that I think everyone wanted to hide or at least not acknowledge, right? I thought that that part of America was gone. I thought so, too. I was like, we're, this is a post-racial culture. That's a lie. Right. We're not social culture right and it's funny because you you really can go back to the obama presidency during the certainly during the the campaign where you started to see some people rear their heads but it wasn't nearly as pronounced Mm -hmm. as once uh the president president obama got out of office trump comes into office it really emboldened people who may have felt you know, uh, a certain way racially or whatever their particular, you know, uh, lean is, they really felt emboldened to say those things and not feel as though they had to be PC, so to speak. And it created, I think, a challenge for someone like Biden, who does believe in reaching across the aisle and has worked with, you know, multiple people. It's not going to be the same way that it was for him, even when he was in the White House as vice president. Um, you know, so that that definitely makes things a bit more difficult because I don't think the people are the same anymore, you know, so they're not going to receive the same. Now, you mentioned Chappelle, which is intriguing, uh, but we're here now. Right. Um, So 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 let's talk about because, you know, a lot of people have been talking about the special and I hadn't watched it until literally a couple of days ago. And I wanted to see what everybody was talking about in terms of why did certain parts of the community get upset with him? So from you watching it, do you think you know why people got upset with what he had to say? Okay. Here's the thing. So, so truth is a very funny thing. Okay. Um, when you know the truth, but you don't necessarily, you're not necessarily forced to admit it or to talk about it. It's, when the truth is understood in a community, it's cool. Mm-hmm. When someone in the community tells the truth about the understood truth, it's not cool, but it's not offensive. It's, it's like, okay, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. When an outsider, especially a comedian who is very, very witty and intelligent, mm-hmm. can put the truth in a way where they literally put it in your lap and, and 
It's offensive. And they, they, they were offended not because that he, I don't think it was, it was what he, I don't think it's how he said it because the truth is the truth. I think it's, he was showing the hypocrisy. And when the truth points out hypocrisy, people struggle with seeing themselves as hypocrites. Mm-hmm. I mean, all of us. I mean, you know, if you have an argument, your wife tell you you're doing so and so, you could know you're doing it. But the fact that she had the gumption to say that and to say it that way and to be upset about it, it troubles you. Mm-hmm. The community, or, or, and I say the gay community, there's the, the letters. Oh, I, can't, I get them wrong. That's why, please forgive me, it's LGBTQIA. IA, you see now it keeps extending. Okay, it does. Uh, let me put it up there, socket. I'm putting in my chat. LGBTQIA. IA, yeah. Now I'm concerned. What is the IA for? I think I know, but I don't want to get it wrong. Okay, so <laughs> you would be. Yeah, they'll come for me. I'm sure. I I, I don't want to get it wrong. LGBTQ plus. And there's yeah the plus. Yes, yes, yes. So let me do that. I'll do the plus so we could get there. So, yeah. so, and here's the thing. So, so the crazy part about this is, is that we reduce our community to, to a, a preference, a sexual preference or a, a, a lifestyle. And, and God knows we don't, the church itself, this is going to blow your mind because of the way Jesus set up the invitation, whosoever will let him come. We are a part of that community. This is true. It's true. It's a truth that people don't want to acknowledge. Well, yeah, I'm going to tell you why we're part of that community. Because that struggle comes to church. Yes. And that struggle brings creativity and talent to church. Yes. And that struggle has been violated in church. Yes. People who hide out behind collars and cloaks and, 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 um, and all manner of giftings and titles while they manipulate and actually violate that struggle. So we, we have to say the church, the black church, the white church, the whatever church, we are part of, and this is going to really make people mad, but it is true. So I identify with with being called to minister to the LGBTQ plus community. And, and, and I'm going to tell you why. Because, because Jesus is seeking those people. Yes. And he doesn't consider them to be strange or queer or weird. He, he considers them to be people who are born into sin like we're born into sin with our own uh, depra- depraved struggle, our own um, unwillingness to admit that we're not pleasing to God in many ways. So so that's there's that. Yeah. I think the, tr- the truth that Chappelle shared and the point he was making offended them because he called them out on the fact that people didn't people weren't bothered with him when he was. I mean, he used the N-word on his show so much. Yes. Chappelle uses the N-word so much. He made <laughs> some of the funniest skits that he did on his show. The crack, the crack guy, I, mm-hmm. I live for that stuff, okay? when I, I couldn't watch him initially because the language was a lot. But the skits, I had, I used to watch for the skits. Yeah. People laughed at that. But the moment he made a, a joke about the gay community, it became an issue. That is hypocrisy. Mm-hmm. And and so he called it out, and so they bothered with it. And I think that um, until they become comfortable with being who the, we all have to be comfortable. If this is who I say I am, then be that, because God can only deliver, anoint, and deal with the real me. Mm. You know, and and so that you know, but years ago, Gerard, and we talked about this before. People asked the question on, and this is a very dangerous topic to be on, because <laughs> yes, <laughs> minefield. Yeah. 
But, you know, years ago, uh, I told the story probably on, on an earlier podcast about how we went to uh, myself and uh, Bishop L. Spencer Smith and uh, uh, a friend of ours. He was a, he's a well-known therapist. We all went on vacation with our wives. We were down in Key West. And, you know, we sitting at the breakfast table, just the three men, because it's a working vacation. And so he started talking about different topics. And he asked us, how are you ministering to, to um, people who come to your church? with struggle. He asked us about particularly um, different types of struggle, and we landed on the struggle of same-sex attraction, same-sex marriage, what the, what the laws were. Mm-hmm. So we, we gave him theological answers, and we I think we we're kind of heavy-handed. Mm. And so he sat back and he listened to us, and he said, well, he gave us the question about the th- testosterone bath. You've heard me talk about that. Yes. So the, I'm, for, for those who are watching the podcast, I want to present it again. Please do. He said, to simplify things, here's what I want to do for you. He said, he asked us, he said, he said, just, he said, this is oversimplification, but it's just for you because you're not aware of this. He said, I minister to people who have struggled. He said, so imagine if, if two cups of, he said, first of all, he presented this to us. He said, when a, when a fetus is first conceived, okay, it has no gender. That was new to me. How, how, how do I have a PhD and didn't know that? Wow. So, so he, I was like, really? He said, yes. So, so he said it has no gender. He said, what determines the gender? And he says, I'm going to use this oversimplification. Two cups of testosterone is a boy and one cup, cup of testosterone is a girl. He said, this is, he said, it's something like that, but just an oversimplification. I said, okay. He said, what happens when a fetus gets one and a half? Hmm. And at that moment, the brilliance of now Bishop L. Spencer Smith is probably one of the most brilliant minds I know, and I'm sitting there in all my my um my uh, a- academic glory, and we <laughs> and we're confused. We're like we don't know, and he said, and he said that's why you have to be careful how you address this. He said because I counsel this every day. The struggle is real. Yeah, and so in that moment he defeated my theory or my belief that you could not be born that way. Hmm. And so he he, he 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 further, the defeat of my theory was not good enough for him. He wanted complete annihilation. Wow. Straight for the kill. And here was the kill. He, <laughs> the kill was, so uh, he said, do you believe in birth defect? I said, yes. He said, he said, what do you define as a birth defect? I said, well, the, the, child, the child is conceived or born with things not with the way they should be according to divine design. And he said, okay. He said, while it's an insult to many in the LGBTQ plus community to call it a birth defect, he says, he said, emotionally, it could be that for them because they're struggling in between the line. Okay. So here's another question that was asked. A hermaphrodite, is it male or female? Or is the person male or female? If they have both genitals. And so we just went way left from the question you asked initially. But since we're here, let's finish it. So he ministered to us and he's told us, he said, don't be so dogmatic about what you believe about the struggle. Minister to the person. Mm. Get the person here. Get them. Tell you preach the word. He said, but the same way that there's, there's deliverance for you, there's deliverance. Our gospel is a gospel of deliverance. Our gospel is a, a gospel of health and healing and wholeness. And our gospel is a gospel of grace and, and um, 
acceptance by the Lord. And then, then the whole sanctification process means that the Holy Spirit takes us from where we are and makes us someone else. He, make, he makes us a new creature, a new person. So we, we walked away from that moment in Key West the wiser because a council took the time to educate two bishops or two, two preachers. Yeah. Um, so. More of our heart-to-heart -heart conversation is on the way. Stay tuned. Imagine being filled with a peace so deep that the world around you can't touch it. Pastor Hart Ramsey is on a mission to help believers understand what it means to have a healthy, prayer-based relationship with God. He's doing that through his brand new book titled Seeking Answers, Finding Rest Through Prayer. Prayer at first was a struggle because, you know, it, it really takes faith to pray. You have to, you have to trust that God is like a person, he's a real person, and that he's the one that invented the concept of prayer. In this book, you'll learn how to ensure your relationship with God is based on a new and improved covenant, which dangerous prayer habits to avoid, and what to do when prayer doesn't yield the answers you want. It's time to trust God enough to make your prayer life truly about Him. Yes. Pick up your copy of Seeking Answers, Finding Rest Through Prayer from Hart Ramsey, available now at Amazon, iTunes, and wherever books are sold. Why, yeah. Have you subscribed to Hart Ramsey's Uplift? It's his national text message service where daily you can hear from the heart of God by way of the man of God, Pastor Hart Ramsey. To receive this daily encouragement, text the word Uplift to the number 334-310-4278. Again, text the word Uplift to the number 334-310-4278. Uplift your spirit, encourage your heart, and empower your walk. Subscribe today to Heart Ramsey's Uplift. Stay connected with Pastor Hart Ramsey on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Hart Ramsey. Let's go back into today's Heart to Heart conversation featuring Pastor Hart Ramsey. Yeah, that, that is heavy. And I think it's important because, you know, when dealing with the LGBTQ, Q plus community, I think a lot of Christians specifically forget that they are people. Yeah, that's and good. They, they really do. It's you know, and it's funny because it's sometimes not until and this sounds so archaic, but you'll get it. It's almost like until you actually know someone by name, mm -hmm. it changes how you approach people. You know, and and the, the unfortunate part is that's the same explanation that our Caucasian brothers have when it comes to black people. Yes. Right. They can talk about black people as though they are this separate entity until you actually know one by name. Right. right. And then suddenly compassion shows yeah. up. You know what I mean? There's no, there's, there's, a, there's a, a monolithic type of mentality as it relates to like all black people are like blank. Right. And it's not, I think it's more than that. And I, you know, I, you know what I believe? There are two things that, that came to come to mind, Gerard. One is we're terrible. We have the best message in the world and we're horrible at it. 
I mean, you are right. Terrible. We need to go back to school. That's the first thing. And this and the second thing I believe is that and this is this way may offend some people, but um I think I think the LGBT uh Q plus community needs to needs to back off of the desire to intimidate people into accepting who they are because I don't think we I think the ones the, the people who get it and the people who love Jesus and the people who understand that our gospel is the power of God unto salvation, I think those those people can be sometimes intimidated into not sharing the true gospel for fear of being lumped into some category and then and then you know uh, the, the mastering of cancel culture. I I could not care less about cancel culture. First of all, uh, you can't you can't cancel something that you didn't initiate. I, that's the way I see it. I mean, I'm not you're not my audience. I mean, you're not. Yeah. I, but but the, the point I'm saying, I, I digress. But the point I'm making is, we have to do a better job at um at communicating the best message the world has ever heard, yeah, and ever known about the acceptance, the love of God, a redemption, and then the investment that God wants to make within us to make us different people, right, better right. people, um, new people, and then. The the the, the uh, LGBTQ plus community needs to really have a conversation about, amongst themselves about their hostility. Hmm. Hmm. You know what I'm saying because, um, just like I think it's 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 a um, it's a disservice when a black person becomes hateful because of racism. I mean, I despise racism, but I cannot be hateful. Yeah. Because that damages who I am and, and what I stand for. I think it's the same thing. They have to have a mentality of um, if people are going to not like me or misunderstand me, it's not going to make me hateful. And then for God's sake, stop calling everything phobia. Mm. You know, there's a lot of other words. Um, uh, because because someone does not understand doesn't make, make, does not make them homophobic. Because right. a person does not agree with your lifestyle, it does not make them phobic. Right. Homophobic, transphobic, whatever. And that's the, no, I mean... If if I disagree with the way you now here's the thing I, technically I have no say so. Mm-hmm. I mean think think about it as as a human being, uh, how you have you plan to use uh, to live your life has nothing to do with me. Right. As as it relates to as now if you're not trying to impose upon me or violate me then that's your life. Right. My my um situation is if as a preacher of the gospel as a teacher of the gospel, my 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 responsibility is to tell you. Um, the gospel or give you the gospel. Now, here's the thing. When you look at Paul's writings in Romans, in Galatians, and everywhere he mentions of same-sex attraction, when you look at Moses' writings, none of that was ever to people who were not in relationship with God. Right. In other words, we were never sent, the church was never sent to the gay community to, to, set, to tell them, basically, um, you've got to change your lifestyle to be sent. No. Those writings are to the people who are in Christ. Paul, you, show me one place. Go to the book of Acts and show me anywhere where Paul is going through on his missionary journeys. He did three. And then and, and none of the missionary journeys did Paul ever say anything to them about same-sex attraction. Jesus lived an entire um, 33 years, ministered for three years of, or three and a half years of those 33 years. He never once mentioned the fact that Rome was the most um, homosexual city in the world, the entire government during the days of Jesus. It was it was it was customary for a man to have both um, men and women. Uh, the the power, what made a, a person powerful, especially in government, was they had young men and young women at the sexual beck and call. 
Jesus never mentioned that. And why did he mention it? Because, because what we have to understand is certain mindsets are the product of, of sin. It's a, it's a product of being in sin, being not in Christ. And the bottom line is none of us could point the finger at, at them um, because we, here we are in Christ. We have the power of God. We're still doing the same junk. <laughs> that part. So, Gerard, I don't know what we're going to do with this podcast. Listen, <laughs> you know, my mind is being blown in thinking about the fact that, of course, first Paul obviously addressed the church. Yes. And so many of us spend time addressing the unchurched. Yep. You know, uh, I, you I'm going to tell you why it is. That, yes. That, it's because if you, it's like if you throw a stone, you close your eyes, you just throw a stone in a crowded church up full of leaders. Hmm. Full of leaders. You're going to hit somebody. <laughs> yes, you will. And it's not like they're struggling. They're settled in it. Because there's a difference between the struggle and the settle. Oh. So, oh. so and I've talked to some young men. I've, 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 I've talked to some people who would say that that is my struggle. It was my struggle. And the, the emphasis on the word struggle is it's not something um, it's not something that I want to be involved in. But it, it is is the appeal of my flesh. It, I get I get physical pleasure from this and that, that, that see what we miss is the bible specifically said um in hebrews chapter 11 about moses he chose to suffer with the, with the uh, children of israel than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season right. the people that say sin is not pleasurable they're lying it is that pleasure is... <laughs> it's, it's short-lived but yes. it's pleasure yes. so so i think that we should uh as, as it relates to and we came out of talking about President Biden into this, but I think that uh, his presidency um, is going to be as successful as it can be coming behind Donald Trump and having to, because of the, the Democratic Party's alliance with um, certain entities, he's going to have to um, make decisions, no, keep promises that the church may not agree with. But I want to say on the record, that the purpose, the president is not a pastor. Yes. He's not a priest. He's not a pope. He is the president. He is the president of all people. Yes. Just like yes. when I pastor church, I pastor everyone in the church, regardless of what the struggle is. That president has to make sure that everyone is treated fairly. Everyone have their rights, um, their right to exist. And I think now it's an overreach when we try to now impose the views of one community on the entire nation. Whether it be Christian, will it be LGBTQ plus? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you, you you have said a mouthful there, and you're you're totally right. I think obviously every election cycle, people need to be reminded. But I think in between election cycles, people need to be reminded that he's elected to be the president of all fifty of the United States and territories, et cetera, et cetera, and address the concerns that impact all of the people that are involved. Uh, the morality issue becomes an issue of the church, yeah. not an issue of the government. Right. And I think that more times when we as the church expect the government to be the church, we run into problems, yeah. right? So there's that. Uh, in terms of the, oh, 
the Chappelle piece, and this is the one thing I wanted to say, which I think a lot of people become very guilty of. I think the reason that I ultimately didn't get mad at what Chappelle said is because like most things, you have to watch to the end. Yes. To really get it. If you jump in, and this is part of the problem with today's society is we live in sound bites. Mm -hmm. So we can literally grab a minute of somebody's sermon or a minute of somebody's speech and literally, you know, try to cancel them or wear them out when they were in the middle of making a point. And again, we don't get full context. And he took this whole thing. And by the end of it, he made a very solid point, which to me, I'm like, so the LGBTQ plus community is mad at Dave Chappelle, but white people aren't? Because to me, the whole thing was about how white people, no offense to anybody white watching, but was how white people in general view the offense against the LGBTQ community as more offensive than that against the African-American community. You see That's that? what he was ultimately saying. You know, but Gerard, here's the powerful thing about what you just said and the way you said it. First of all, it's spot on accurate. Okay, but here's the thing. But you said even the little uh, caveat that you said, no offense to the white community. Here's my thing. The, that's what critical race theory is about. They don't want to embrace yes. the, of the damage they've caused, and so we have. To, they want people to tiptoe around the fact that that historically they are well known for for uh, um, capitalism for colonialism, for all kinds of isms. They are, listen, I'm not saying that you did it. I'm saying it's in your ancestry, it's in your blood. This is how, this is what put you where you are. Right. So so Chappelle spoke to all that and, and I, I watched the whole thing. <laughs> and I think, you know, the, the beauty of it was the comedy. Yes. Was the comedic, he was serious and I think that made it funny. Mm -hmm. But what he said was such a, um, a social statement. It, it was actually uh, activist, activism. Yes. In a way. Yes. Um, or vulgar, I mean, vulgar. it's vulgar, but yeah. No, I mean, no one cusses like Chappelle, and and, and he does not care. No, he doesn't. <laughs> he really doesn't. No, well, I, I'm ashamed to say this, but remember he made a joke about beating up the. <laughs> He was talking about you a man. I mean, you're you. Oh woman. yeah, that that I lost it. I can. Yeah. Well, well, and he, so here's the thing about comedy, which I also find this to be interesting. Comedy has probably been the one place historically where people were given permission to go to the line and cross the line, yeah. and and be almost shocking. But that was comedy. It was almost like you knew they were supposed to take it to the extreme to make a particular point. And it's designed to be entertaining and at the risk of sounding controversial. Right. I think part of our challenge here in America is we have elevated entertainment to become almost as important as anything theological. Mm -hmm. Right. Like we. So, so to me, what amazes me is. How are people mad and wanting Netflix to cancel Dave Chappelle as though Dave Chappelle is a thought leader when he's a comedian? A comedian. And, and, the, and the, to your point, comedians have been given license historically to, to delve into unspoken truth. We know they're, they're, they're there, they exist, but we yes. don't talk about 
because it's taboo. Comedians can do it, and they've done it for years, for generations. Yes. Why now? Chappelle said it's because he talked, he spoke to a, uh, a particular uh, people group who I think that if you're going to identify, you you have to really uh, be able to hold your frame and, and, um, and be as tough as you purport yourself to be because that's not this very difficult um it's I, I can't even i can't begin to imagine being you know i just can't yeah you know and, and i think the other issue that it raises is and i think we've talked about this before how challenging it is in 2021 to present an opinion that is different without people wanting to cancel you or get rid of you like you automatically become the enemy if you create or you express an opinion that is different as opposed to you know people actually being able to have healthy conversations about being on different sides of the aisle and even if you result in that conversation where you're both still on separate sides of the aisle there's still respect for each other because we can discuss the issue without getting incredibly personal yeah. And I think it's one of the things that today we don't see a whole lot of, and it's across all desks. Pick the subject, right? Like people go to blows over sports. People go to blows over even, you know, thoughts of religion and who believes what. And it's kind of like, wait, can't we get back to the space of having healthy dialogue? Right. So here's what, here's the thing. A couple of thoughts came to mind. Number one, um, cancel culture is actually the social mute button when we can't mm. bear the and and going back to the 2015 Donald Trump campaign is when it started that 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 volume started to be turned up when i um when he would just say these real real polarizing offensive things and people had no recourse because the media um noticed that although it was very very inflammatory and very very uh, incendiary they noticed also that their income went up because their ratings went up exactly. and so they why it's hard to stomach this guy he's good for business and so the entire and, and the, the the especially in america and in western countries our only recourse was to was to shut people up was to block them on social media unfriend them or unfollow them or or if they were see if they were big enough where they had other platforms besides social media then we had to cancel them we had to get together you know you know when you look at, uh, at uh, and i always got to go back to the scriptures Jesus made a, they took a sound bite. Um, destroy this temple. Mm -hmm. I will raise it up in three days. And they and he came into this triumphant entry into Jerusalem. They received him as a king. But then all of a sudden he said something that made other people go, Well, I can't get with that. And at the behest of the leaders, the thought leaders of the day, they canceled him. Because the whole crucifixion was a, was the ultimate cancellation. Wow about cancel culture that's they cancel him so what we are now is that that's our that's our way of crucifying people wow. crucifixion is that that is the way we get revenge we, we we cancel people that that who represent thoughts that we don't agree with and that the idea is or the the um what the desire is is that once we cancel them they could keep on talking but it will mean nothing although they may be telling the truth the truth will not be acknowledged because we already canceled you hmm. And and so I I really think that it started in 2015. Um, it, it actually the noise started when Obama was elected. But the, the volume kept being turned up, and Donald Trump got the megaphone at his rallies, and he and he 
he unleashed literally to me he unleashed a spirit on this nation that you can't put back in the box this yeah. thing is so um anti-social anti-christ anti-unity um, it, it, it's just a, a wicked hateful um diabolic spirit that's it. I mean, and if you want, listen, you can't say peep on social media. I mean, people have attacked me for saying, I mean, I I made a marriage statement and someone tried to attack me for it. I'm like, you attack me for simple, read your Bible. Yeah. And I got to the point where if you don't have some kind of turn up in you, men and women of God, let me tell you something, you got to get some kind of edge about you because we live in this time. You you have to have some kind of, you better have some Ezekiel the prophet and Jesus in you too. <laughs> you need to... <laughs> You better have something in you because these people coming out of the wood, it's a spirit. Yeah. I believe it's a spirit, so. Yeah. Wow. Well, here you go, guys. <laughs> I'm sure we've given you plenty of sound bites, right? Oh, man. But I, I hope, you know, it's, it, A, these are how our conversations go, but you know that. Um, but bigger than that, I really hope that it encourages us to begin to think critically and open ourselves up to some larger conversations because those of you who are believers, you do understand that we're supposed to be able to reach people that are different than us, which means people are gonna think different than us, which means they're gonna have different lifestyles than we might have. And the answer can't be beat them over the head until they submit. Right, <laughs> right. Oh, us, oh, you're not worthy. And the thing, you know, the Lord died for all of this. Yes, he did. And our job is to steward the power of his blood. His blood it was shed for every one of us, every kind of struggle, every kind of, of, of malfunction, this, I mean, dysfunction or, or, or malfunction in our psyche or even in our desire or our, 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 our predilections. He died for this. And so I think we need to do a better job at stewarding the gospel. Yes, are presenting yes. it in a way where we give it to people and let it work here take this and and eat this and see what it does for you instead of saying you better because the, the i think what offends people gerard is we're telling them you're wrong become like us and we're wrong <laughs> so wrong <laughs> i'm talking about you okay let me <laughs> and, and the and the funny part is the people that we are trying to convert at least they're honest about their stuff, right? Which is supposed to be the foundation and bedrock of who we are, it's supposed to be honesty. Yet we have found a way in church to be dishonest and call it faith. Listen to me. We, 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 have, <laughs> we have been dishonest, we have called it faith, we have tried to use other euphemisms instead of just being able to say, hey, you know what? This is where I am. Right, right. This, and I don't know how to get out. I don't know how to get out. You know what? One of the things I love about the scripture, especially uh, as we track the life of Peter, is, yeah. that, is that when you trace Peter's life, uh, and even in Galatians chapter two, Paul is rebuking him for being, for being a hypocrite. Yeah. But he, his shadow has been healing people. <laughs> so it tells you, what, it, what I love about it is it tells you that even long after your conversion, he's, he walked with Jesus three years, Okay, he he he's the one of the pillars in the church. He takes the gospel to the Gentiles in Acts chapter ten. He's the one that introduced Cornelius to Christ. Um, he's he's in ministry. He have he has healing. He's been in, he has miraculous deliverance from prison. All all this stuff is happening with him, and here's Peter still dealing with hypocrisy. That's that gives me hope. <laughs> right. 
<laughs> it gives me hope because it tells me that, that there's a journey that we all have to go on. And I think the journey doesn't begin until until we st until we begin. Right. So instead of having people say, we tell them you have to be this to be in the kingdom. No, say come into the kingdom and start a journey because the journey is going to be what it is. And it's not easy and it's not brief. Right. Right. Thanks. Sanctification is going to take your lifetime. So let's might as well get started. You know, bring your struggle with you because, you know, um, bring your struggle with you because the Lord is going to deal with that struggle one way or another. And every time our, our brother, our sister get caught up in this struggle, we go back and get him. Say, come on, get up. You have to get up because you can't stop here. Yes, there was something I was so going to say and I'm not going to. <laughs> Other than to say that we as believers then have to do what you said, and that is commit to riding alongside of yeah. people, which means if you're going to ride, you're going to see the good, the bad and the ugly. And if you're exposed to someone's humanity, it is not your job to be the person who exposes. Oh, God, that's a it's a whole nother podcast, right? It is your job to walk alongside them to ultimately help them become and we become, you know, who it is that we're supposed to be because we're all under development. Holy cow. There's like a whole nother podcast in there, which yeah. we might do next time. So <laughs> I hope you guys have enjoyed this. I'm sure you will have plenty to say. So, uh, of course, you can check out our social media handles. Pastor Hart is at Hart Ramsey. I'm at Bonnerfied, but he's the one to talk to. He's got all the wisdom. I just moderate this, right? So with that said, make sure you're subscribed to this podcast and share this with a friend and join us next time as we get on course with Hart Ramsey. Thank you.